This morning I'll be completing a two-part sermon, and it's called, Can I Get a Witness? These two sermons that I'm preaching are part of a bigger series of sermons in which we are exploring what it means to be on a mission. As a church, we're seeking to discover how we can be faithful to our role in God's mission to bless all people of all nations. So each week during this series, we've been starting with a question. We've been asking the same question every week. We've been asking, how do we, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as children of God, how do we further God's mission to bless the people of the nations? We're asking, what can we do in our corners of the world that will move God's mission forward? Move it forward in some way, big or even small. And since this is the second half of a two-part sermon, our answer this week is the same as our answer last week. How can we be faithful to our role in God's mission? Well, we are learning that we are faithful when we bear credible witness to our incredible God. We're on a mission when we bear credible witness for our incredible God. Last week, we focused on the nation of Israel. We focused on God's chosen and covenant people, Israel. And we saw that God intended for Israel to be his great witness to all the world. God's intention was that when the people of other nations who served other gods looked at Israel, they were supposed to see just how inferior their man-made gods really were. Instead of mute and lifeless idols, when they looked at Israel, they would see the true and living God, the God who speaks, the God who leads, the God who guides, the God who protects, the God who blesses his people. To use Isaiah's language, when the people looked at Israel, they were supposed to see the glory of the Lord revealed. All mankind together would see it. That's God's desire. God's mission was and God's mission still is that all people will come to know him and know his truth through his people. So God's mission for Israel was to bless the people of the nations by proclaiming God's identity to them. By proclaiming God's sovereignty to them. By proclaiming God's power to them. How would other people see God's unique identity? Well, they would see it by observing the moral and the ethical quality of his unique people. How would other people learn about God's sovereignty? Well, they would learn about God's sovereignty by observing the faithful obedience of God's people. How would other people learn about God's power? Well, they would learn about God's power by observing the heartfelt praise and worship of his people. That's how God intended for Israel to bear credible witness for him to the nations. But last week, as we focused on the period of time when Isaiah lived which was during Israel's exile to Babylon, we saw that what God intended to accomplish through Israel had run into, to put it very mildly, it had run into some problems. 
And the problems weren't really with the unbelieving nations. The unbelieving nations hadn't changed. They still needed to be blessed with the truth of God. And in order to bless, they still needed to see and to hear the truth. And the problems weren't with God himself. They weren't with God's abilities. No, God hadn't lost his power. God hadn't lost his sovereignty. God hadn't lost his identity. God hadn't lost his glory. So if the problems weren't with the nations, and if the problems weren't with God, then just who were the problems with? Well, the problems were with the witnesses. The problems were with God's intended witnesses. The problem was with Israel. Just listen to God describe the state of his intended witness, Israel, who is now in exile. Isaiah 42, verse 18. God says, hear you deaf, look you blind and see. He's talking to Israel. And he says, who is blind but my servant Israel? Who is deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one committed to me, blind like the servant of the Lord? And then listen to this indictment. He says to Israel, you have seen many things that have paid no attention. He says to Israel, your ears are open, but you hear nothing. How would you like to go to court with that as your witness? It might sound something like this. If it please the jury for my one and only witness, I call to the stand Israel. And let me tell you about Israel. Israel saw everything. But unfortunately, they didn't pay attention to anything. Let me tell you about Israel. They heard everything. But unfortunately, they can't recall anything. How would you like to go to court with that as your witness? And that was the quality of God's witness, his witness, Israel. You see, they had seen God's mighty power, but their lives didn't testify to his power. They had heard God's glorious word, but their worship didn't reflect his word. And so Israel, God's intended witness to the nations, they're just not credible. They can't credibly testify to the truth behind what they have become, who they were called to be, God's chosen people. Instead, they become deaf, they become blind, become deaf and blind to God and thus deaf and blind to his truth. So the sad truth about Israel is that God has given them much to see and he's given them much to hear and yet they are deaf and blind witnesses. And so as the Old Testament is closing, there's this question that's hanging in the air. And the question is, if not Israel, if not Israel as a witness, then who will be God's witness? 
If God's intended witnesses, Israel, if they aren't credible witnesses to the nations, then who will be? Well, if you'll remember last week, we said, well, who better to call as witnesses than the once blind who now see? Who better as a witness than someone who was once deaf but now hears? Who better to call as a witness who someone was imprisoned but has now been set free? Who better than that? Who better to testify to God's power than those whose ears and eyes and prison doors have been opened by God's power? Who better? So God remarkably, in spite of Israel's failure as a witness, God's plans don't change. God's mission does not change. God's mission is still to bless all people of all nations through his people. And who will bear credible witness? Who will bear credible witness for God to the nations? Well, who better than God's people? Who better than God's true people? And so as the New Testament opens, we see that God intends to get a witness. And his first move in getting a witness is by sending the ultimate witness to the earth. He sends the ultimate witness to the earth. We can think about it as God's reintroducing himself to this world. Reintroducing himself to a world that's become blind to his glory, that's become deaf to his will. God reintroduces himself through his servant witness. He reintroduces himself through his son, through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came into the world as the ultimate witness. Jesus stands before the world as God in the flesh. The truth of God is on display. The truth of God is personified in Jesus Christ in the flesh. Just listen to what the Apostle Paul said about Jesus. He said, in the beginning was the word. He's speaking about Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of men. And there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John the Baptizer. And he came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And the word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the father. Full of grace. Full of truth. No one has seen God. But God the one and only who is at the father's side. Has made him known. And that's a witness to take to court. Jesus. 
the word, the truth, the light, the one and only has made God known. He's the ultimate witness. And John and the other gospel witnesses, they go on to tell us that in Jesus Christ, that all of God's identity, all of God's sovereignty, all of God's power are on full display to all the world. Water becomes wine. Crowds are fed. The deaf hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the sick are cured, the demons flee, the storm stops, and even the dead live. And Jesus Christ, God's identity and sovereignty and power are on full display. They're on full display to those who have eyes to see and those who have ears to hear. But we also learn that not very many had eyes to see. Very few had ears to hear. John also said this. He said, Jesus the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood him. He says about Jesus, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. You see, tragically, Israel is still deaf and blind. God gives them even more to see, even more to hear. But their ears and their eyes and their minds are still closed, closed to the truth. Even to the truth witnessed to by Jesus Messiah. The word, the truth, the light, the one and only God in the flesh. It's kind of a depressing story, isn't it? And it's kind of a downer to read about, isn't it? Here's Israel. They're deaf and blind to the Exodus. They're deaf and blind to Mount Sinai. Deaf and blind to Moses and deaf and blind to Joshua. Deaf and blind to Elijah and deaf and blind to Elisha. Deaf and blind to Isaiah and deaf and blind to Ezekiel. And now, deaf and blind even to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And as we move through the story and we finally see Jesus arrested, not only arrested, but arrested after being betrayed by one of his chosen twelve. And then we see 10 of the remaining 11 scatter, run. And the one who doesn't scatter, the one who doesn't run, instead sticks close by, but then denies ever hearing or ever even seeing Jesus. And then Jesus is placed on the cross. And God's ultimate witness dies on the cross, and he's placed in a tomb. And as that happens, you have to wonder, when Jesus leaves, when Jesus departs, who's going to bear witness for God? Can I get a witness? And if that's where the story ended, I think the honest answer is there's no one. 
Without Jesus, there's no one to bear credible witness to God if that's where the story ended. But the cross and the tomb didn't write the end of the story. Here's what happened. Three days later, Matthew 28, 1, we read, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And there they did see him. Go and tell. Go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my disciples. See, there are God's witnesses. And now, finally, their eyes and ears are truly open to the truth. You see, now that they have seen, now that they have heard the resurrected Messiah, their eyes and their ears and their minds are open to all that they had witnessed before he died. Now they know. Now they are convinced. Now they are ready for God's mission to the world. And it's through this small band of eyewitnesses, and we might say ear witnesses, that God intends to bless the nations with his truth. They're no longer scattered, they're no longer in denial, they're almost ready. They're almost ready to take God to the world and to bless all the nations. Listen to Jesus give them their mission just before he ascended into heaven. Luke 24, 46. He told this band of eyewitnesses, this is what is written. That Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. Then Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus continues and he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here are God's credible witnesses. Because they know what happened as God worked through Israel, 
because they have seen Jesus' suffering and death, and because they've now seen and witnessed his resurrection, now repentance and forgiveness are going to be taken to all corners of the world so all people have opportunity to be blessed by God. Because of what they've seen, because of what they've heard, And because they've now been empowered by the Spirit of God, they're now qualified. They're even authorized by Jesus to be his credible witnesses to the world. They're ready for God's mission. They're ready for their role in God's mission. Jesus tells his eyewitnesses, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you even to the very end of the age. These are God's credible witnesses to the world. And you know, it occurs to me that we are here as witnesses to their success in carrying out their role in God's mission. We're witnesses to that, aren't we? Because they, empowered by the Spirit, went and testified to Jesus' identity and sovereignty and power. Because they did that, we come together this morning to worship our unique, sovereign, and all-powerful God. We're here as testimony to their witness. Because they stood in the place of Israel. Because they became God's faithful witnesses to the nations. Because they were faithful to the mission, we come together this morning blessed with salvation, blessed with forgiveness. We're here as witnesses to their witness but something had to happen in between right there's some missing links in that witness chain aren't there I mean after all that was over 2,000 years ago that was some 7,200 miles removed from where we are right now from those eyewitnesses being commissioned by Jesus so so how did we get here Well, we're here because of this ongoing chain of witnesses for God. Over the centuries, over the generations, there's been an ongoing chain of those blessed, who've been blessed by God, who witness for God. There's been an ongoing chain of people, as John says, who have seen Jesus, who have seen Jesus, but not through their own eyes, but have seen Jesus through the witness of those who saw him in the flesh. John says they have not seen, but yet they still believe. And it also occurs to me that we are the next links in that chain. We're the next links in the chain. 
See, we've been commissioned by Jesus to testify to God's identity, to testify to his sovereignty, to testify to his power. We've been commissioned by Jesus to testify for him as we live out our transformed lives in front of all people. And I'm not going to pretend like that isn't somewhat intimidating. To be told that you're the next link in the chain of witnesses for God, that is intimidating. It's intimidating. In fact, to some of us, that may seem impossible. I can't possibly be a link in the chain of witnesses for God. Even though that may seem impossible, I assure you it is not impossible. Here's why it's very possible for you to witness to God's identity to the nations. See, it's possible for you to witness to God's identity because of your identity. Let me just tell you who you are. You are a baptized child of God. You have been empowered by the Spirit. You've been empowered by the Spirit to testify. Testify to God's identity and sovereignty and power. You aren't alone. The Spirit is with you. That's who you are. And you are in possession of God's word. You're in possession of the words of the witnesses that were given by God's eyewitnesses. Because you are in possession of the word, because you are a student of the word, because you love the word, those words are still alive. And they move through you, and they move in you, and they call to you. And you call on them. You call and rely on the eyewitnesses, and you rely on their testimony, because that's who you are. You're people of the word. And you are changed. And you are being changed. You are transformed and you are being transformed. Because of the blood of Christ, you have experienced yourself the power of God. You've experienced it firsthand. You aren't who you used to be. And you also aren't who you will be. And because you aren't who you used to be, you have personal testimony about God's identity and sovereignty and power. You have your own story to tell. So you're able to call to others. You're able to invite them to come and see not only what the eyewitnesses saw, but what you have seen in your life and the life of your brothers and sisters. You're able to say to the people in your corner of the world, you're able to say, come and see. Come and see what's happened to me. Because of the gospel, I'm no longer deaf. I'm no longer blind. I'm no longer enslaved. I've been set free. Remember, who better to testify to God's power than those whose eyes have been opened? whose ears have been opened, whose prison doors have been opened by God's power. 
And I'm here to tell you that's who you are. That's your identity. You've been blessed by God to stand in the place of Israel as his witnesses to the world. That's who we are. We're the next links in the chain of witnesses. So I want to end with a story, a story to help reassure you that you can indeed be faithful to your identity as God's witness. To help you really grasp the idea that you're fully prepared right now to be a link in God's witness chain. It's a story about a very unlikely witness for God. You'll find the story in the fourth chapter of John. I'll just summarize it for you now. See, Jesus and his disciples are traveling through Samaria. And they're tired and they're thirsty and they're hungry and they stop at a well outside of a town. And as Jesus' disciples go into town to get some food, Jesus stays behind Stays behind to rest. And while he is waiting, one lone woman, a Samaritan woman, comes for water. And Jesus engages her in a wide-ranging conversation, a wide-ranging discussion that touches on things like true water and worship. And as part of that discussion, Jesus at one point suggests that this woman, this Samaritan woman, go back into the town, get her husband, and bring him back to him. In verse 17, the woman says, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. What have we established so far in our story? Well, we've established that this woman is the most unlikely of witnesses. In fact, she's triply disqualified as a witness. First, she's a foreigner. And foreigners, and in particular Samaritans, had no credibility among the Jews. Second, she's a woman. And women had no standing in Jewish courts. Their testimony wasn't considered to be valid. And thirdly, she had all kinds of moral and social questions surrounding her and surrounding her past. She's got serious credibility issues. But remarkably, Jesus chooses this triply disqualified woman. He chooses her to reveal his identity to, his identity as Messiah, as Messiah. He says, I am he, the Messiah. So what does she do with that knowledge? Well, here's what she does with that knowledge. Verse 28, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She witnessed and she invited. She said, come and see. And because of that simple witness, here's what happened. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Do you see that progression? Because one very unlikely, seemingly disqualified witness said, come and see. Others did come and see. And because they came and see, they heard Jesus. And because they heard Jesus, they came to know Jesus. And because they came to know the truth of Jesus, they were blessed by God. We're told many became believers. And that's why I'm convinced that you too, me too, that we can be faithful to our identity as God's witnesses. I'm fully convinced that you are fully qualified to be a link in God's witness chain. Because you are fully qualified to say, come and see Jesus. So when God asks the question, can I get a witness? I want you to know you are the answer. We are the answer to God's call for credible witnesses. Let's pray together that we'll be faithful to his call. Let's pray. Father, you have opened our eyes. Father, you have opened our ears. Father, you have opened our hearts. You have opened our minds. And Father, you have opened the prison doors. And Father, we may not feel like we have a story to tell, but, but God, you have worked so powerfully through us and for us and in us that, Father, you have fully qualified us and commissioned us to tell others to come and see My prayer, Father, is that we will be faithful to your call, faithful to our role in your great mission to bless all the nations and all the people. Father, give us faithfulness. We pray this through the name of Jesus, who we too testify has risen. Amen give you a missional challenge. This is missional challenge number 13, and it's a praying challenge. I challenge every one of you to every day this week, begin your day by praying that God will put one person, just one person in your path to whom you can say, come and see. Come and see the one who redeemed me. Let's end by standing and singing the song of the redeemed. Let's sing the song of witnesses. Let's sing together.